We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking changing dynasty values, breaking down injury fallout, and tracking week seven all-star performances on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome in to Rotoviz. Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Curtis Patrick and Dave Cabin here in, uh, I guess we're almost in the the afterglow or aftershock or post-nuclear winter of week seven, however you choose to look at it, uh, Dave. A, a ton of stuff going on. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like Christian McCaffrey was traded a month ago. We had James Robinson getting traded, you know, about an hour before we started recording this show. We have players out uh, for the year, we have players scoring 30 points seemingly every week, despite uh, being on the dynasty trash heap. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. Um, I think we'll probably start with our players of the week. But Dave, I mean, h- how are you doing after the craziness of the weekend? I got to be honest, Curtis. I like actually will need to take some time to unpack everything that has happened and even make sense of how I am doing looking across my teams. Um, you know, at a high level, never fun when, uh, you know, players like Brees Hall get ruled out for the whole year, especially mm. you feel terrible for these guys so early on in their career when a major injury like this happens and derails that momentum that they've been, you know, really working so hard to get going. Uh, and then from a fantasy perspective, it's been, um, you know, an interesting couple of weeks with some of these performances that we've seen players put together players rotating in and out of rosters injuries becoming a major uh, challenge for fantasy managers to deal with the last couple of weeks as bye weeks continue to be an issue it's only going to get more and more interesting so we have a ton to try to unpack here but uh, I am looking forward to it yeah it's just a reminder that um, and I've seen actually a lot of great debate uh, on, on both sides and, and I'm not even sure that that I have a strong stance on this, but there's been a lot of complaining or um, I I guess just uh, realization about the grind of set your lineup leagues uh, versus best ball. And yeah, sometimes winning a championship is it's going to happen based off of being the person who doesn't lose interest first. 
um, or, or keeps their interest the longest. I mean, continuing the waiver grind all the way through your playoffs and actually putting thought and intention behind your weekly starting lineup. I mean, we're only halfway through the season, but I mean, I think we all feel a decade older after these, these yes. seven weeks uh, for sure. So um, there's going to be plenty, I think, plenty of breaking it down uh, in this episode. And we've, of course, got the balance of the week uh, to get caught back up and psyched about week eight. So, Dave, let's hit that drop. And highlight some players of the week. We've got to start at the quarterback position. Just a couple of short weeks ago, he was wearing Siberian Tiger white and the awesome Bengals color rush uniforms, or I guess lack of color rush uniforms. Joe Burrow, man, 39.2 fantasy points, nearly 500 passing yards. His line was 481 with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Added 20 yards on the ground and a, and a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, 363 air yards. I mean, he was just dealing, man. And along with him, I mean, you, you can't really recognize Joey without highlighting Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd because each of them went for around 30 PPR. Jamar Chase with 33, Tyler Boyd with 29.5 for those lucky enough to have started him or uh, manage him in best ball. And then like way down the list, I mean, poor T Higgins actually had a pretty solid game. <laughs> But nobody wants to hear about your 593-0 line uh, in the context of a game like this. So uh, any anything to add on the Bengals offense before we change positions there, Dave? Well, Joe Burrow, I think the first couple of weeks was a bit of a slow start, but he's really picked up. We're seeing the Bengals do many of the things we were expecting them to do. And a testament to how solid Burrow has been the last couple of weeks would be if you look at some best ball teams, at least for me, where I have two quarterbacks that I was drafting inside like the top seven at the position uh, on those teams. Now Burrow is contributing many, many more points, almost like a hundred points on some teams towards my lineup and my overall score than these other passers. So he's just been fantastic. Well, let's hop over to the running back position. We've got uh, co players of the week there as well. You know, looking back this summer to all the fantasy drafts, I think most people were hoping that Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey would be this year's Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. But what we actually have happening is Josh Jacobs is this year's Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler is this year's Christian McCaffrey. These guys are, are crushing it and they're doing it different ways. I mean, Jacobs is just putting this Raider squad on his back. He's got high rushing yard outputs three weeks in a row. He's scoring touchdowns seemingly at will. And Austin Eckler is currently pacing to break McCaffrey's receiving records at the running back position. I mean, both of these guys, extremely impressive um, and really just can't say enough about it. I mean, they're, they're so far clear from the field at this point. Uh, and both of them did put up over 36 PPR in week seven. Uh, it's <laughs> got to be a blessing. I know there's some, some people out there that have both of these guys on their squad and they, I mean, the distance between you and second place has to be pretty healthy at this point. Yeah, well, Eckler is the one that you can look back. And if you weren't drafting Eckler all over the place, you're definitely saying to yourself, like, why did I not see this coming? I should have anticipated this. And it would make sense. Uh, just the opportunity that he's getting, the way that he's able to produce these points on the field, um, you know, 
there's few players that can do it the way he's doing it. And he is just going absolute gangbusters on it. Josh Jacobs though, would have been much harder to see coming, but I mean, we're going to have to talk a little bit about what his value is right now, Curtis, because if you look at these recent games, it's been nuts. And with the changes that people were expecting to see in Las Vegas, a lot of people were worried about those changes negatively impacting Jacobs. Meanwhile, it turns out he's putting together the best year of his career. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 5.7 yards per carry with 111 attempts uh, so far. Six rushing touchdowns over their last three contests. I mean, he's got 20 receptions on the season, too. I mean, he's not going to you know, break any records in that category. You know, I think when we were uh, on him toward the end of the season, when he started sliding, you know, into the sixth, seventh, yep. and even eighth rounds in some spots, we were thinking, oh, maybe he'll finally get all this screen game work. It wasn't, <laughs> we didn't see this. No, um, although no. he is getting the, the production, uh, but yeah, I mean, Jacobs is just 24, man. Uh, will play the entire season. This is his age 24 NFL season. Won't turn 25 until February. Uh, it's a contract year for him. You got to feel, you know, great, uh, for him to be putting this all together, uh, in the way that he is, uh, and such an important year for, you know, his career. I mean, teams continue to be gun shy about the big second, uh, contract for running backs, but perhaps uh, Jacobs can can buck the trend there. Um, going over to the wide receiver position, we'd already kind of highlighted Chase and Boyd. So, Dave, I think we've got to hit the snooze alert. And man, I, I mean, do you actually have like funeral music? Because Lamar Jackson, ten points, ten points. 10 points is not, I mean, I want 10 points from Lamar Jackson in a quarter, <laughs> uh, not a game. Yeah. Um, this, this was a brutal showing for Lamar in a spot where I think everyone thought that he would have absolutely crush. I mean, at home against the Browns, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm a, a Browns fan, but you know, you're thinking minimum 25 for Lamar and he was just extremely pedestrian. I mean, he only attempts 16 passes in the game completed just nine of them for 120 passing yards and zero touchdowns. And then, you know, to make matters worse, Dave, uh, 59 yards on the ground, but no touchdown there either. So it was just a brutal showing. It was actually pretty brutal for quarterback fantasy production across the board this week. So, you know, really, unless you had Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, Patrick Mahomes, or Andy Dalton. It kind of didn't matter. Um, and yes, that's quite the foursome there with Jones and Dalton forcing their way into that. But man, I mean, Lamar Jackson outscoring Kenny Pickett by 0.4 points. It's not, that's not what you envisioned when, when you spent a top six around pick on him. You're, you're hoping that the floor is much higher. So, you know, that, that squad needs Rashad Bateman to get fully healthy. And I don't know what was up with, with Mark Andrews. You know, you could give him the honorable mention here. He did absolutely nothing in this game uh, either. Of course, that's some, some corollary there, uh, correlation there with uh, Lamar. But, man, uh, do you have any Lamar squads, Dave? I can't imagine that they won. I do. And um... – we're going to have to see if a big maybe, performance. Maybe you've, got, maybe you've got Eckler on one of those squads too. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got that. I, uh, yeah. Actually, the team that I have him on somehow has managed to win. Um, but that is, th- well, the quarterback I was facing was Tom Brady. 
And that team oh, had a couple really? of absolute landmines on it. So this team's going to win with about 130 points um, in an FFPC league. So I got kind of lucky there. But, you know, yeah, the, the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's been it's been four weeks now since Lamar's provided that difference making, you know, level of fantasy production. I mean, week four against Buffalo, just 14 and a half points. Week five against Cincinnati, 16 and a half. And then against the Giants in week six, 20.2. Uh, you know, those back-to-back 40-plus point outbursts in week two and three feel like they were a long time ago. Yeah, they certainly do. The other funny thing uh, that kind of came out of this game, too, is I'm sure there are some people that spent a lot of free agent auction bidding money on Kenyon Drake and then sat there and watched Gus Edwards do all of the work. <laughs> Raise, raise his hand. Yep. Uh, uh, he was available in a couple spots after we got the J.K. Dobbins news. And um, yeah, yeah, that that was tough. I mean, Gus Bus was running pretty hard. Uh, Drake did get, you know, plenty of, of rushing uh, carry share there, too. He just wasn't able to do much with it. He did uh, get a couple targets as well. So, yep. you know, hopefully he can put it together. Yep. All right. So that takes us through the player and the snoozer. But, and actually, I probably should have dropped the headline sound effect or the price check sound effect, but... Just do it. Just do it. All right, which which one do you want? I mean, you can do both of them if you want. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, wow, that was fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, man, well, the big news from last week, Dave, was Christian McCaffrey uh, going over from Carolina, you know, being rescued from the muck and the mire to Kyle Shanahan, um, promised land for for running backs and and San Francisco, and you know that that team has kind of been trying to piece together their rushing attack after losing Elijah Mitchell uh, in the preseason. And, you know, Jeff Wilson's performed admirably. I mean, I think he's done about what people thought that he could do, uh, but he's not really elevating the team, uh, you know, with Jimmy G being at the helm again and having had the team, you know, at the brink of glory in recent seasons and consistently in the playoff picture, the opportunity to add McCaffrey to Debo Samuel, to George Kittle, to Brandon Ayuk, you know, just too much for that team to ignore. And, you know, unfortunately, for Christian McCaffrey managers and from a redraft uh, perspective, you get this juicy matchup with Kansas city, but he's not even with the team for barely 48 hours before he plays. You know, he's involved, but you know, it's not the type of, of role that, you know, you're banking on from, from Christian McCaffrey, you know, I'm just getting like a half a bye week here. So that was a disappointment um, to see come to fruition in that game against Kansas city. But what I really want to talk about, and I think your interest as well, is I mean, what's the dynasty aftermath for uh, for Christian McCaffrey after this move? You know, I think being in Carolina, having the couple of seasons worth of injury, uh, injury, I guess, worries uh, starting to stack up, um, getting into his mid twenties. You know, this type of player that's like maybe this is the last season that you're willing to give up uh, a fairly high future first for him. But for for me. I think he gets a slight uptick in dynasty value for this move. Uh, it shows that a team was still willing to value him pretty highly. I think Shanahan is already a coach that in the last couple of seasons has proven he's willing to scheme 
in special ways for players who have special talents and you know what what you and I had envisioned for McCaffrey throughout the summer was you know maybe he only has one or two more seasons worth of of the heavy rushing work you know with 12 plus carries a game but there's no reason he couldn't play into his late 20s uh and in the type of role maybe that even Austin Eckler has now where he's really only getting you know, six to 10 carries a game and still plenty of receiving work. Yep. Uh, and, and there's no reason to think that CMC couldn't do that carrying forward. So I, I think after this move, you know, he still looks like a, you know, a, a mid RB one from a dynasty perspective, uh, especially after some of the injuries that occurred uh, this week. And, and it's a slight, a slight bump up for me. I like, I like the pairing with Shanahan, regardless of what happens at quarterback moving forward. So I'll ask you, Dave, Arrow up, down, or sideways on CMC after this move? I think the arrow's up, um, but I would not say it's straight up, right? Like, you know, maybe at 45 degrees. Because I think that it'd be easy to overreact to this. Um, Do I think that he's in a better situation now? Certainly. Do I think that this changes the expectations that I would have between now and the end of his career? to some extent, but I don't think it radically changes his value. I still think that there's some of the younger backs behind him that I'd be more interested in. Uh, But this certainly helps. But I guess the larger takeaway for me here is I don't think that this has shifted him um, to a point now where he's back into the conversation for me as the like top overall back. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, you can't do, you can't do that. This is his age 26 season. Uh, it's not about that at all, but yep. I think it brings back into uh, the it, it brings back into a possible reality that he could have another elite touchdown scoring season, like sure. he did back yep. in 2019. You know, um, this team is is going to be able to move the ball with all the additional surrounding talent that they've got in San Francisco versus you know uh, what was surrounding him in, in Carolina, which was basically um, an impotent. DJ Moore, who had no one that could get him, you know, the ball. Uh, so, you know, 19 touchdowns in 2019. I don't know if CMC will have another one of those types of seasons uh, in him or not, but he has not, you know, he's not even on a per game basis been a, a very good touchdown score in the two seasons that have followed. Um, and so, you know, it, it's going to be exciting to see what materializes over the back half of this year in San Francisco. So, you know, I, I would feel very comfortable from a practical application mm-hmm. standpoint. You know, if I'm, you know, I'm going to be three and four or I'm four and three and, you know, I, I just need that big move. And, you know, as a squad that's in the bottom third of my league is looking to divest of veterans, you know, I would trade it. I would trade a, a future first uh, for, for McCaffrey and in a hope that it goes right, uh, would maybe even be willing to add, you know, a third on top of it or, you know, a young player that hasn't you know, fully realized his potential yet in order to get that deal done. I, I think that he can give some elite production yet in his career. So can we do a little exercise here, which I don't know if we had to. St- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Just, you know, like distinctively called this up before we started. But Josh sure. Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, how far apart is their value? I, I mean, it's converging, man. Um, it, it's far closer than I would have ever thought yep. it could be. I mean, we're, you're talking about two full years apart. Um, you know, the big variable is that, you know, we've never really seen Jacobs utilized this way before. Um, granted, it's a new regime uh, in Vegas. And so maybe this is the new norm. But for like, you know, I, I don't know that this is the type of this is the type of production that, you know, you would want to bank on being, you know, repeatable year after year, you know, uh, really high carry counts, uh, high touchdown production, high yards per carry. It's the stuff that is typically not repeatable except for the elite of the elite. You know, Nick Chubb can get it done. Derrick Henry can get it done. Where will Jacobs be next year? And will that team treat him the same way? Will he just take the bag of money and go to a terrible offense is he actually elevating the Raiders on his own or is he benefiting a little bit from, you know, Devonte Adams being there as well. It's kind of hard to like unpack all that in a span of three games. Cause we've just never seen anything elite like this from him. I, I think that they're pretty similar. I, I would say just on name value and the fact that, you know, his receiving ability would keep him viable into his late twenties. If he can stay healthy, I would still rank McCaffrey above Jacobs, maybe by a future second, but you know, before the season started, they would have been, you know, probably multiple firsts apart still um, when you still thought you're going to have the, f- the full year. So give me one one or two weeks to see what McCaffrey can do fully, you know, fully loaded in San Francisco <laughs> and ask again. Yep. And, you know, if, if we don't if we don't see, you know, elite uh, elite involvement um, or or signs that. McCaffrey is going to give us the, the touchdowns on top of, you know, all of the usage, then, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they could pull even, I think, you know, by the end of November. Yeah. It's, it's such an interesting uh, one to consider, especially because we have such limited information right now, but I think the, 
idea that maybe they're like a second round pick apart feels pretty accurate to me right now. It just really underscores how quickly yeah. prices can change uh, in dynasty fantasy football. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait it out. I would give the edge because like, like you said, at this point, it's looking like this is going to be Josh Jacobs best season does not look like the type of thing that we would expect to carry into future years, but nonetheless, pretty interesting. There are some other big shakeups at running back that we do need to talk about. Uh, so let's, let's, let's uh, head the direction of New York where unfortunately you have Brees Hall being forced out of the rest of the year. I'm not sure if we even want to delve into what this does for his value at this point. Uh, the Jets make a move to bring in James Robinson, pair him up with Michael Carter and try to move that young, improving offense forward. Uh, the player that gets the huge boost out of all of this, so of course, is Travis Etienne. So I will let you take this whichever direction you want to go to first. Well, just a quick comment back to last week. You know, I think it was, uh, it, it might've been the Monday episode. It might've been the Thursday episode, but we were actually debating Brees Hall or Jonathan Taylor, yeah. uh, Dynasty RB1. And we both gave the slight edge to uh, Taylor. Just wanted to see what he could do, you know, healthy. I mean, if Brees Hall gets this full, this full game in week seven after, yeah. you know, how we started the game, we, we could have both, it might've been what we, you know, each one of us needed to see to just bump him up to the top overall spot. So this is just, uh, you just feel so bad for him. Um, and, and it's also just disappointing because, you know, you thought maybe he was going to be that next blue chip, untouchable three plus future first, even in a super flex situation, you know, running back that's challenging for round one draft capital and, and 2023 startups yeah. uh, and, and super flex leagues. You just don't see it too often. So that's the disappointment. I, I agree. It is exciting to see what's happening with Travis Etienne and Kenneth Walker uh, on, on the positive side of things. You know, Etienne now has stacked up um, so, some pretty solid weeks. You know, he hasn't really fully broken out, uh, but over 10 PPR in each of the last three and, you know, 18 PPR in week seven. Uh, I think he's going to be finishing the week as an RB1 for the first time in his young career. And now with James Robinson moving to New York to replace uh, Brees Hall, you have to like Travis Etienne to, to fully get unlocked here. So uh, you're going to, you know, you've kind of have to value him as like a top six dynasty back today, even if it doesn't feel comfortable. That's really the only way that you're going to be able to get him. Um, you know, he's probably a two future first player uh, already um, just as, as a result of that, that one solid game and, you know, his backfield competition leaving town. Kenneth Walker now, he's doing all the stuff that Rashad Penny did last year uh, at a younger age uh, for a team and a scheme that, you know, has been happy to, to ride its running back. So, you know, I think Walker, one or two more great games from Walker, and, you know, we could be having that same conversation uh, with him that we were having about Brees Hall. You know, he's a different level of prospect, uh, did not have the receiving chops, uh, you know, a little different on the age uh, perspective, but he looks so effective as a runner and with that home run ability uh, that he did show at Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, th this is this is a pretty exciting scenario. Like this is, a, this is not, you know, to contrast it with 2021, Najee Harris being the really big rookie running back. You know, he was doing it on receptions, but really inefficient, play overall i mean kenneth walker looks pretty efficient as a runner yeah so that's one of the the key things i think that we need to focus on specifically with walker 
you know, like you said, use the word contrast. It's also in contrast to what we just kind of talked about uh, when mentioning a player like Josh Jacobs. The way that Walker's doing this definitely feels like the type of performance that will fit into the mold of what you would expect from him and something that should be able to carry forward. Uh, At the current point in time, it's hard for me not to tell myself that I would need to correct against the priors that I had, even though we've just seen Walker for a very short amount of time. But I do agree. You have to move him up pretty aggressively. If you were kind of lagging behind on your thoughts of Walker, given what we've seen, it would have been really interesting to be able to see if he could have pushed a penny throughout the year. Uh, But, you know, we're kind of getting, an advanced, uh, you know, placement here for Walker into that lineup. So we'll have to make sense of it. I guess to kind of close this, close this out right now, Curtis, a lot of people, as we mentioned last week, not feeling very good with what we've seen from Jonathan Taylor. Now it looks like Indianapolis is going to go with Sam Ellinger, uh, you know, already looking to the future there in Indy. Um, if we have to consider ETN and Walker against a player like Jonathan Taylor, is there still a big edge for Taylor? Is it possible that these guys have caught him? How do we contextualize this? I mean, dynasty running back shelf life is, is short. Um, and you know, even within a season, you know, it's, it's just like, it's a dog years thing, man. So you know, you, you get, you get four weeks and you, you have to draw some different conclusions. So yeah, I'm not going to say that I know what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, I know that he was an otherworldly prospect. Um, one of the best prospects of the last decade at the position. So you, you like to think that he could figure it out, but that whole Colts offense looks like they're uh, in, in shambles. So sure. I, I think, I think ETN Walker, uh, I think both of those guys could, you know, potentially could potentially pass them, um, you know, having the, the age, the age advantage there. Uh, I do want to call out potential changing the guard that's happening in this Monday night football game, Dave. Yep. I don't know if you've had it on in your side. I eye. haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to watch it, but uh, go ahead. Uh, Mac Jones benched for Bailey. Really? Wow. Okay. The the change has occurred. It's occurred. And Zappi comes in right away. Four for four deep shot to Devontae Parker has him in scoring position right away. Wow. Uh, Bailey Zappi got a standing O from, uh, from the crowd. uh, And Mac Jones looks dead inside. Wow. Wow. We talked about last week that maybe we're going to get a blood sewing thing going on here. And yeah, I mean, Bill wasting no time. Uh, you know, he's got the hook from the side stage on Mac Jones. Wow. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe 10 years from now, he can go all Latavius Murray and recreate his career in Denver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, do, do, hey, should we talk was... about the dynasty value of Latavius Murray? I'm purely kidding. No. No, I, all the, I think Marlon Mack is headed to town. Yeah, he is. Too. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. D- Denver is now uh, not just home to quarterback retreads. It's just every position retreads. But <laughs> um, yeah, man, there, there really is, to your point at the top of, of the show, th- there's so much to react to um, and not even just, I guess, react to uh, the, the information, but I guess you know, having an action and a response to it 
from a fantasy strategic uh, perspective. And so that's where you and I will be focused both from a redraft and a dynasty perspective as the week marches on, you know, tomorrow night we will have our week eight already, man, it's almost a halfway point of the season. We'll have our week eight uh, game level similarity projection show. We will be live streaming that uh, as always. So be sure to get your questions in to, to me or Dave on Twitter, or you can email us, uh, let us know what your start sit conundrum is or, you know, any other question you have about your roster. We like to respond to uh, anything that you have for us on that show. So we will be back on Tuesday night, live stream style. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.